Welcome back to the Faith Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Summers, and today I am here with Superintendent Bruce Cromwell. How are you doing today? I'm well, Jordan. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast today, taking time out of your extraordinary, extraordinarily <laughs> busy schedule to oh. come and relate with the oh, I'm happy the to do family. so. This is great. Yeah. So I wanted to start kind of with some of your background. Mm-hmm. So are you from McPherson? Are you from Kansas? No. I am not. Okay. So I was born in, in Indiana, right. but we moved to Southern Illinois when I was two. My parents still live there. Greater St. Louis area, right across okay. the river. So I grew up a Cardinals fan. Um, okay. You know, we would drive across the river into Missouri to get gas because it's cheaper there because taxes <laughs> yeah. are better. You know, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. But right on the Mississippi. So I went to high school there, uh, ended up going to Greenville College. So one of our sister yeah. schools. My dad is a graduate of Central. Uh, my brother came back when it shifted to a five-year school, but uh, he still did just his associate, squeezed that two-year degree into five. So school was not his priority when he was at Central, but have many relatives who have come through these hallowed halls. I love this place. So awesome. I'd been to McPherson many times growing up free Methodist. Yeah. And so it wasn't unfamiliar to me, but I never lived in Kansas before I became the superintendent out in the Great Plains Conference three years ago. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So I would ask you how you got to central, but in reality, I mean, it's, you're here at kind of at central right now because your wife is currently at central. I I would say that, I mean, that's, it might've been a little the other way around. Oh, really? You think so? I was, we had been pastoring in Michigan for 11 years. It was my last church, big church in Lansing, Michigan. So we bled green and white for the Spartans. Uh, (laughs) So Moved here in uh, 2018 and took the role of superintendent of the Great Plains Conference, which means I oversee the Free Methodist churches and pastors in all of Nebraska, Kansas, and Western Missouri. Okay. So I'm here doing that. Immediately, I I knew President Favara for years. I mean, we've known each other decades. And so friends, there was an opening on the board of trustees. They asked me if I would do that. And in the past, historically, the superintendent had been a trustee in there, mm-hmm. you know, so that wasn't an odd thing to ask me to do. So that's yeah. how I got more connection with the college. Okay. Okay. And it was then when there was an opening in the department, you know, my wife had come along. She also mm-hmm. is an ordained elder in the Free Methodist Church. She also has an earned PhD. And so we were here. And so there was sort of the, well, hey, there's someone in town that would qualify. And she went through the application okay. process like everyone else. But it was helpful, I expect, that. They didn't have to convince us to move because we yeah. were already here. Okay. okay uh, yeah. They didn't have to do that stuff. So we came for my job. Providentially, it worked out for That's Mindy to awesome. get her job. And she really- absolutely loves working at Central. And we're just blessed for the connections. It's totally a joy to have you both here. It's I, I've been hugely blessed by, by you both. Thank you. Um, by the conversation that I got to have on a previous podcast mm-hmm. with her and with both your... Um, chapel content that you guys oh, are thank you. Um, serving us with and that you delivered this past semester. So that, that that's, it's been a huge blessing to um, see more and more of you both. So I, I guess a, a, a better question would be, how did you, how did you come to be superintendent? Okay. Well, in our free Methodist structure, mm-hmm. uh, it's, we, we're, 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 we call modified Episcopal. So there's appointments. Mm-hmm. You don't just hang a shingle and put an ad in monster.com and look for someone to apply. <laughs> you know, there, there's a way to go about doing it, but there's a connectional system. And so, again, I'm a superintendent. You have a 
couple dozen superintendents in the Free Methodist Church in the USA. So there's about 24 of us, and we're okay. under three bishops. They have regions. So being in Michigan, at the time, the bishop over us there, when I was pastoring a church, was also the bishop who oversaw this. This was Bishop Kendall, who had been, uh, I think, on the Board of Trustees at Central. He was pastor. Oh, wow. He was pastor at McPherson Free Methodist for years, and then he got elected to the role I have now, the superintendent, and it was out of that he became a bishop. So he knows the superintendent here is changing. Right. He looks around to find women and men that are qualified. Okay. He and the other two bishops I'd known very well for other denominational stuff I'd been blessed to do. And so mm-hmm. they said, you ought, to, you ought to consider throwing your hat in the ring. And people had suggested me as a possibility. So okay. though it is an appointment, they go through an interview process. Right. And they prayed. And, and my wife and I flew out here at some point to, to meet with the local conference board that was responsible for making a nomination and evidently we said the right things because they uh (laughs) they and i don't know maybe they didn't interview anybody else and we were the best they could get i'm not sure but they they asked us if we'd be willing to move and so we prayed about it some more and i'd been talking with my church back in michigan at least some of the leadership so they knew this was a possibility Mm -hmm. and it again it just was clear that this is what god wanted us to do so we said yes and that's how it happened. We moved out here and I came in May of 2018. My wife and the boys had to finish school. The boys had to finish school. So they came out a month later. We've been here ever since. Very cool. All right. So can you share a bit about tracking back just a little further? Can you share about how you came to know the Lord? Oh, man. Uh, I'm blessed. and I, I do consider myself blessed to have been raised in a Christian home. Mm. So... I was born on a Friday the 13th, so I have no problem with that day. And I think it's a very lucky day. And I'm certain that I was in church on Sunday the 22nd. So probably not two days later, but nine days later when I could. Both my parents have also been free about this forever. Uh, It just happens to be my family heritage and for generations on both sides. So going to church, uh, I was baptized as an infant. That was part of what, you know, our church did. And so raised church was always part of my life. That doesn't mean I'm a Christian because I was raised in a Christian home, but I don't think uh, that's for nothing. The influence, the examples, that stuff. So when we moved to Southern Illinois, I would go to youth camps like a lot of kids used to do or still do. Uh, I can remember going up to altars at youth camps and having conversion experiences. And at some point, I want to say it stuck. I mean, I think they were always genuine and real. But the more that we mature... Some things we really have consciously made this a lifestyle change, not just an emotional or even this realization that I'm loved, but we've developed where we get it. Yeah. So I don't know that I can point to, you know, I can't circle a date on my calendar. Right. I preached this once and someone accused me of not really being saved because I said, I can't remember. The example (laughs) I've used is, and I do believe this is true for many people like me. Mm-hmm. who don't have a Saul on the Damascus Road conversion experience. I mean, I, I messed up. I did a lot of stupid stuff. I was a sinner like everyone else. I was lost like everyone else. Right. And I needed Christ, but I can't point to the date that it happened. Right. What happened for me was more like, I, I can remember when we were in Michigan, we had traveled to New York State, where a lot of my Cromwell family is for a family reunion. And for Michigan, it's just easier to drive through Canada than to come down around the lakes. So if... My wife and sons fell asleep before we got to the border and you wait through all the, you know, border crossing and tell them everything. They check you out, but you drive. If they woke up and we were driving across Canada, it's not like 
everything is a maple leaf and is red. You know, you just look around, you can't necessarily tell that I'm in a different country altogether. And I think there are people who maybe have been connected to the church, maybe yeah. not, but they have some awareness. And it's almost like they wake up and they realize they've crossed a border and they don't know how that happened. Yeah. It's almost like, mm-hmm. I believe this Jesus stuff. When did that happen? You know, because they don't remember a, a conscious, huge, tear-soaked altar rail. Right. They just, they know they believe it. You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting that you said that there are people who are doubting your salvation because I was at a point, um, I, I had a similar experience where I kind of crossed the border and not really didn't know when. I just kind of knew that it had happened. Yeah. Um, but it, it's for me, it was a situation where I thought I was always in Canada. Mm. So once I realized that I got, had gotten to Canada, I'm like, wait, so when was I not? And so I had a time where I was doubting my own salvation because I didn't, I couldn't point to a time here or there. Sure. But I, you know, and it, it, so it was a weird thing for me. I, uh, you know, come years and years later, where I, uh, I, I've heard this story of somebody who had um, this lake had frozen over and there was this huge blizzard and um, this person couldn't really you know see very well and they um, ended up walking across this entire frozen lake. And they get to the other side and get to this village and um, only after he had gone to the village and said where he had come from that everyone told him, you just crossed, a cr- like you just walked across a frozen lake and could have like fallen in and died. Yeah. And it was only then that he was aware of the danger that he was in after the fact. Right. And, and I think that that was, I think that's the situation and that's kind of the, um, way a lot of us come, do come to know the Lord. And it was really frustrating because at the time I had a spiritual figure in my life who had, I was trying to process and wrestle through those things with. And he said something along the lines of, well, not knowing the, um, not knowing when you were saved is like not knowing when you were married. Mm. And I'm like, now I, I wouldn't say that's the case. I mean, it is ex- an extraordinarily, momentous occasion but i think that a lot of times you know kind of like you're saying it it is a lot more subtle than we give it credit for we like benchmarks i get that yeah we like to identify things we also and i think this is somewhat related to persons and personality and sometimes cultural stuff Mm -hmm. but we're very black and white so if i forgot my anniversary date you know i might have to sleep on the couch you know there there could be (laughs) issues But does that mean I'm not married? No. You know, I'm still married. Mm -hmm. The date is a marker. Mm -hmm. Me remembering that, celebrating that, honoring that is important. But in the same token, if that's the only day that I show my wife I care and then I'm on (laughs) maintaining my marriage vows, chances are I'm not making it to the next year's one, you know? Well, and, and, you know, your relationship didn't start when you got married. No. Your relationship no. started somewhere for way like further back, and then it progressed to the point where there was this like, you know, setting of it, this permanency of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But I mean that you know, you're not going to trace your whole relationship back to the day that you got married. Well, yeah, and and, and even I don't think I'm going to convince you of my faith because I can tell you, oh, it was May seventh, nineteen seventy four, or you know, right. or whatever. It's, it's the James argument. You have faith, 
great. I'll show you my faith by what I do. If I have to mm-hmm. prove to you that I'm saved because I know the date, there's probably a lot lacking in my walk. <laughs> if you can't look at me and see and fruit, just tell. Yeah. yeah. And so I do think there are people who have phenomenal stories of conversion and we need to hear those because there are people who have horrible lives, either things they've mm-hmm. chosen or just circumstances have been, they've given them a raw deal. Mm-hmm. And they are lost and they are hurting and they need those stories of, hey, I've been there. I can get through that. Right. I can't say that to a lot of people. <laughs> you know, both my parents, thanks be to God, are still living. They've never been divorced. You know, I, I've had a good life, you know, quote unquote, yeah. depending on how you look at things. I've never really been a bad guy. You know, I've never been arrested for things. I've never been addicted in a 12-step program. I and mean, so there's lots of things that I've been fortunate yeah. to avoid. But that doesn't mean I still don't need salvation. And there are a lot of people like me who then can feel like I don't have a good conversion story. I can't point to a big thing and, yeah, and to feel guilty because I can't or to make people think that I didn't have a conversion isn't true. Again, it's just, yeah, you know, the, we the get change. Trapped into the, we get trapped into the top that testimony pretty easily. Well, yeah. Yeah. And it's comparing, you know, me to you when what the way I read the Bible is my comparison should be to Christ, you know, not to other people around me. It gets back to again, how do I know myself? Right. Who have I been created to be? Well, and think of how ridiculous, you know, our comparison is to Christ, but there are some things that we just can't, I mean, there's not like trying to bring our comparison to Christ, like trying to compare our conversion experience. Oh, let's compare. I mean, you can't really compare that no, to Christ. So there's no. some things that's like, we just need to give give it a rest. But as far as the standard, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, that yeah, we ascribe yeah, to, I, yeah. I got I had a conversation with someone. We were talking about like biblical manhood and some of this uh, whole yeah. conversation, egalitarianism, complementarianism, all these different things, and what a real man, what a real woman should be like. And and my response was, I I don't see in the Bible anywhere where it's telling men how to be more manly mm. or telling women how to be more womanly. What it does universally is tell each of us how to be more godly. And that's the standard. So to say that, you know, men don't cry or women have to wear dresses, that's not, uh, that's a cultural standard. Those aren't biblical. Our biblical calling is to be like Christ. Right. And to not try to impose how everyone else should be. And the same with Christianity. It's to be like Christ. It's to draw near in repentance and true faith. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately my goal. And so it might help some people when I hit you over the head with a two by four and point out that you're sinning. But the goal here isn't just to help you realize you're a sinner. It's to help you lead to conversion and to repentance. Yeah. If I can have that happen by loving you and not having to you get a blowhorn and yell at you that you're a sinner, <laughs> I still might accomplish this, the goal that I should have. The problem is I think a lot of us have the wrong goals. you know. Or my, my motivation here isn't love for you. It's my sense of obligation for myself. Mm. I have to share the gospel. So I've done my job. Yay, I get my little gold star. But I haven't necessarily wondered if you've listened or you've heard or if I've helped you find healing or wholeness anywhere in life. Yeah, it seems like a lot of us are so caught up in our failure to love God and then we're trying to love God so Mm -hmm. much that we don't love other people. And in doing so, we fail to love God by loving other people. Yes. Yep. So so we go through this you know, trying to get that gold star from God. And all the while, the gold star isn't trying to 
give someone else a gold star sort of thing. I don't, yeah. I don't know. That analogy kind of breaks down. But <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a reason that we're told the heart of the law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I used to tell people all the time when I would give benedictions in our church services that go now and serve the Lord as you serve this world. Because I don't think you can do one without the other. I don't think, I mean, if you live in isolation, you're not around people, obviously you don't have that opportunity, but are you willing to reach out and to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to do something with your faith? We have a lot of people who say, I believe, and that is wonderful because I think what we do flows from what we believe. But even the demons believe. Right. And I'm pretty sure we're called to a life better than that. And so how am I surrendering and following mm -hmm. and not just believing? Because again, Jesus didn't say, go and make believers. It's go and make disciples. These are people who follow me, who have shaped their life after me, who are constantly trying to grow deeper and deeper into this new land and not just say, hey, I crossed the border. I'm in. I'm good, right? Well, it's an ongoing journey. You you keep running the race. None of us yeah. is yet as we fully should be. Yeah. You know, we can be progressing and we can have learned a lot. And thanks be to God for those women and men we can look at who are further down the road who can help us out. Yeah. You know, would that all of us get there? I mean, I, I tell people all the time, don't be afraid to become a saint. You know, that's that's <laughs> a high challenge, but this is part of you are called to be holy as God is holy. You are called to be sanctified, to be holy. So let's do it. Could it be a matter of misplaced desire? Well, sure. Like, I, I think spe specifically, I think that maybe it's that a lot of us don't necessarily want Jesus as much as we want salvation, which sounds ridiculous. But I think that the reality is we're a lot of us are trying to I think we're putting the cart before the horse sort of thing. Like we're using Jesus to attain salvation, whereas I think a, a better understanding of what Scripture teaches is Jesus is our treasure. G we have we want salvation so that we can have Jesus fully for eternity. And I think I, th I just think that we've lost our our desiring of Him. That is, I'm smiling. Because this past Sunday, I was in Oklahoma uh -huh. and preaching at one of my churches in the Mid-America Conference that I also superintend. And I preached that exact same thing. <laughs> Looking at Matthew 25 and the three different parables that are there, the mm -hmm. three different stories, and how you have the wise and the foolish maidens, and some aren't ready to get in. And we talk about that's all about the second coming. And my point is, I think it really is more about how we live after the first. And the issue is more of us are more concerned with getting into heaven than with the lived reality of following Jesus now. Mm -hmm. We and, I, and I've said, being sinless is not the purpose of Christianity. It's not the goal. The goal is to be like Jesus, who was sinless. But if I just want clean hands, I can become like the Pharisees. you know. Or getting to heaven, I would also say, is not the goal of Christianity. It's not. It's to not, me... No. It's getting close to God. And wherever God is, there is heaven. And so am I Am I trying to follow the Lord and surrender my life? Mm -hmm. Or am I being pretty selfish? I'm just following because I'm going to get to walk on streets paved with gold one day. Well, that's the wrong motivation here. Mm -hmm. And if my head is always up in the clouds because I'm so focused on the next life, then I'm of no earthly good right now. Yeah. And if salvation is only about going to heaven when I die, then neither you nor I need Jesus today. 
I mean, I'm trusting neither of us is going home to have them later. <laughs> right. But, you know, all I need them for is those last few minutes. But the reality mm-hmm. is I believe Jesus has a lot to say to us right now. I believe yes. a Christian life changes us right now. And so the phrase I use all the time is eternal life does not begin at physical death, begins at spiritual birth. Well, and it, so we can start yes, living eternally even yes. right now. How do I let his kingdom come and his will be done on earth, on earth as, as it, it is, is in, in heaven, heaven and not just there one day over the horizon? Well, is, isn't it a little ironic and kind of backwards that because it, it seems it seems with that other line of thinking that it, it, it almost glorifies death and celebrates it. Whereas Jesus defeated death by his resurrection, by coming back to life. Whereas if it's all about going to heaven, then death isn't so bad. Now death is actually a good thing because it gets me where I really want to be. And that's and it completely antithetical to what Jesus was doing. It's tricky. He brought people back to life. Yep. And he was and he conquered death. It's so it, it it's it, it turns it flips that kind of line of thinking seems to flip the kingdom of God on its head. It's 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 getting it backwards. Well, it's not a future reality that we can't begin to usher in today. I mean, yes, to die is gain. I get that it will be better in heaven than it is here on earth. But that doesn't mean that this earth is bad. To live is Christ. That's the first part of that phrase, you know, and that's pretty good. How are we inhabiting and bringing it in here? And so, I mean, other people have asked this question, but I've mm-hmm. said many times to people, as as helpful as it can be in certain circumstances to ask people, mm-hmm. you know, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd spend eternity, Jordan? That can promote some good questions and some good conversations. But I think a altogether better question is always jordan if you know you're going to live another 60 years what kind of world do you want to make Mm. and so how are you partnering with christ and following the spirit here to bring other people into that kind of saving relationship how are you working with other people to better the way that we feed the hungry in our town how are we letting our light shine so that people can see the good you do. Again, we don't have to hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. That's what we used to sing. But they can see the good you do so that they can praise your Father in heaven. And that's the part of that component we often trip over is either I want heaven or I'm going to do good works here and I want you to notice them so I can get praise. Well, this isn't about you. Are they praising you? Back to what we said about pastors, sometimes yeah. make it about them. Or are they giving glory to God such that then if there's a pastoral change, you get asked to move from Michigan to Kansas, you know, the church doesn't fall apart because it wasn't built on you and your charisma. Mm. We're human. We have relationships. Transitions always are hard. Faculty move, student body chaplains change, (laughs) you know, and it will affect how people view things because you have gifts and graces the next one won't have. Mm -hmm. And you have gifts and you don't have gifts and graces others have had, you know. But if we're pointing people to Jesus, we're okay because that's what unites us, not political party, not our views on different things, not even the way we interpret passages of scripture. It's Christ right. that should be what binds us. So that should be our focus is, am I following Christ? Mm-hmm. Not just, am I going to go to heaven one day? Right. I think that's the wrong target to shoot at. Yeah. I, I Not that I necessarily agree with um, everything that this this particular pastor says, but there's this one thing that i've heard from john piper specifically Mm -hmm. um that i i think is actually really profound and he says it's something that something like those who would be happy in heaven without christ will not be there Mm. 
No, but that's that's good. Yeah. Because again, the goal isn't heaven. The goal is closeness to God. And if I don't want to be close to God, well, chances are I'm not going to get to heaven yeah. because I can, this is this is the purpose. It's it's not a selfish thing anyway. I, I've preached many times also. If in the end I find myself separated from God for all eternity, it's not because of my sin. And I have to clarify that to people. I mean, sin is bad. People should yeah. not sin. And sin always has consequences. Right. Separates us from God, separates us from others, and separates us from ourselves in many ways. So we shouldn't sin. But if I'm separated from God for all eternity, it's not because of my sin. And the reason I say that is because I believe Christ paid for my sins. They've been atoned for. Mm -hmm. They've been forgiven. Why I would be separated still would be because of my self-righteousness. It's my refusal to surrender and accept that I have a Savior, to accept I need one. And so if it's just, hey, I get this because I'm all that, I don't think I've ever surrendered or accepted the salvation that's there because I'm mm -hmm. still somewhat Pelagian and that I can get there based on my good works or I've earned it or I deserve. Uh, and none of us do. And so can I freely accept this marvelous gift of grace? Can I surrender and just desire to be in close proximity to God? Um, is that enough? Mm -hmm. You know, and so... And the kingdom of heaven, when, when we die and we realize, hang on a second, this isn't above the clouds. And where are these streets of gold and pearly gates and naked angel babies flying around? You know, <laughs> We have images, but my hunch is if it doesn't look at all like what we thought, but God is there, we'd be okay. Yeah. You know, or at least we should be. Yeah. <laughs> because we'd be so enraptured by the presence of God. Uh, all the stories in the scriptures, the, the few places that show us or try to describe the undescribable and what it's going to be like is we're so enamored with the presence of God. It's not, look how big my mansion is, you know. So I, I think that's part of it is even now, can I be so consumed with love of God and others and not be so consumed with am I right or wrong? Mm. You know, it's, it's can I trust that my relationship with God is enough? You know, it's interesting that truth is not a fruit like one of uh, in the fruit of the spirit truth isn't one of the things that's listed no no that's a very just an, an interesting observation not that truth is not that truth is something to be avoided it's well of course not but again it's different i've, I've taught lessons on this and i can mm -hmm. talk on and on too long but you can look and and see culturally there are different approaches to oh yeah to stuff here in the west we come out of a you know latin sort of culture where they're Latin as a language is very legal. It's very technical. Mm. And so you can stress very easily what's right, what's wrong. And so we often talk about church as far as how do you avoid sin? How do you make sure you live the right life? And Christ then serves us very well, thanks be to God, for the atonement. He's paid the price for our sins. We can be made right with God. And a lot of our preaching then is directed that way. Latin is one of the languages spoken in the early church. So that that's part of stuff from the beginning. Greek also is spoken. Greek's very poetic. It's a mystical language. It's wonderful. I date myself a bit, but you know, you can go back and watch like my big fat Greek wedding, or maybe we know Greek people. Opa! I mean, it's just party and celebration. And again, this is somewhat stereotypical, but there's a different approach. And if anyone's been to an Orthodox service, they're long, you know, yep. but even the architecture. You don't see the priest. They're behind the iconostasis. The focus is directed towards God. It's not telling you 
seven steps to a happier homemaker. And those can be very important sermons, but this is focused on God. And even when you look up into the cupola and you'll see the Virgin Mary with the baby Jesus, it's not because we're highlighting Mary. It's because in this poetic sort of language, which is more on the mystery and wonder, we're more caught up in the awe that God became a human being. That is crazy, you know, that God would walk among us. So the incarnation, Christmas to the Orthodox, tends to be a much bigger holiday than oh, yeah. Easter. So my, my sister is actually Eastern Orthodox. See, you Orthodox, get that. So. Yeah, I, I, so I understand. I, I and so little... it's how does this flow? And, and with Hebrew, which is the other major language, they're all nomads because, you know, you travel and you have to have a practical religion because you can't really throw the hot tub on the camel. You know, it's got to make <laughs> sense to transport. Yeah. And so Jesus functions as the example. He shows you how to live. And that gets kind of swallowed up by the Greek church. But I love, as a Methodist, John Wesley, who got this started, was very conversant with the Orthodox fathers and early Hebrew and Aramaic fathers like Ephraim the Syrian. And so we have this sort of middle way. We're not all the way over, you know, with our Catholic sisters and brothers, out of which we come, very legal and even Lutherans and others, that this is the tradition, we can also recognize there's a mystery and a beauty to walking with God. Mm -hmm. And even then, culturally in our countries, you know, here in the West, we're very much about right and wrong. And you can see, look at news over the last years, whether it's impeachments of President Trump, go back to President Clinton. Mm -hmm. I did not have sex with that woman. Well, technically... You know, but I didn't, you know, you can't show that I was wrong. Well, but it's not morally or legally. That's not the question. It's legal. You know, it's not ethical or moral, I should say. It's a, we reduce it to legalities. Mm -hmm. I've been blessed to serve tons of people. They were from Central Africa. You know, we had a bunch in our church, which is great. And for them, it's not a, a right-wrong dynamic. It's much more power. And so oftentimes they wouldn't look me in the eye. And it's not because they're doing something wrong and they know it. It's because they wouldn't think that they had the right to. Because I'm the white lead pastor of the church. I have the power. They would never dang. Because to look someone in the eye is to treat them as an equal. And they would never think they could. Mm -hmm. So even if I had asked them a question, they would say what they felt. They felt like they were supposed to say. Mm. I had a bunch of Asians in our church too from Asian cultures, which is wonderful. And for them, a lot of their cultural dynamic was honor and shame. Yeah. And so I could ask you, if you're part of their culture, hey, I need to go over to the president's office. Do you know how to get there? You would make up something rather than tell me you didn't know, because that would be dishonoring for yourself. You would be shamed that you didn't know. Now, I could ask you, hey, can you go ask Pastor Zach? And you could say, yeah, he doesn't know. That's fine. But you've not lost any honor. And so recognizing we would say, well, that's wrong. Well, but they don't think in those categories. But I've honored you. And so, you know, or... I'm respecting your power. We impose so much of those cultural lenses on our Christian faith is what I'm saying. And we reduce it to, are you right or not? And for many places, you can read through the Bible. There's lots of things that have to do with how you honor one another. Mm -hmm. Or there's lots of things to have to do with how you destroy strongholds and power. And we upturn the apple cart and recognize power is not found in earthly things. Power is not found in wealth or money. And, and even to those languages, different ways we approach God can we come with the humility to realize not everyone is just like me? Not everyone is going to see this the same way I do, right. but we're all children of God. We're all made in God's image. We may speak different languages. We may worship in different ways, but it's still a beautiful symphony of sound when you come together. I mean, harmony 
is a much more beautiful sound than just everyone singing melody. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Now, oh, harmony yeah. implies that we're all singing from the same sheet, you know, and we're doing the same key, yeah. you know, even though we're in different notes. But it's beautiful when we're when we're slightly different, though we're on the same page. And to me, I think that's if we're following the Lord and we're surrendering to his will, we may, we don't have all have to sing the same notes, you know, but that harmony we make is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Right. And I mean, even even when you think of how different people seem to be passionate mm-hmm. towards different issues that I, I think Jesus is concerned about. Yeah. I have friends who are deeply, deeply passionate about um, about abortion and who their heart their heart absolutely breaks for the unborn and Certainly. they um, want to love those women who are walking through that and do whatever they can to help. Um, and I have other people who I know other people who are concerned about that, but they're like that's not where their deepest passion is. Their deepest passion, might be the sex trafficking or yep. it might be feeding the homeless. And yep. there's, I, you know, I, I think it's it's kind of what you're saying about we don't necessarily all sing the same melody, but we're we're certainly at least harmonizing and we're reading off the same page. Yeah. It's the same song, but, you know, different parts, different. And, and I think that's, I think that's what really brings out the beauty of the kingdom. Yeah. And we need that. Again, it's 1 Corinthians yeah. 12 with many bo- one body, many parts. Uh, you can look at what is more and more is called APES, this fivefold version of ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, okay. shepherds, teachers. Not everyone does everything the same. And that's great because it allows for this diversity of approach. It also allows for a breadth of coverage because, well, even now, what you do, I could not do this because I'm not technologically inclined. <laughs> I may not care. You know, but yet what I do, there are people who are like, yeah, never in a million years. Not going to do that. Nope. Uh, but we all have these interests and and maybe they've been nurtured in us. Maybe we saw it modeled somewhere else. Um, one of the wonderful things about a college like Central, and it, and it can be a challenge too, is you come in, you might have an idea of what you want to do and you meet that prof. And sometimes that's all you needed to know. There's no world in which I'm doing that because I don't want to be with this prop for the next four years. But also there's times where they just make you fall more in love with it than ever before. Yeah. You know, and so, but but not everyone majors in the same thing yeah. because we're different. And so can we celebrate the differences and be grateful mm-hmm. that we have people who are willing to do jobs that we don't want to do because... You know, we couldn't function if we didn't have all these parts of the body. We need the different things. Absolutely. So our verse this semester, kind of our theme across campus, is based in Hebrews. And it's the verse about being anchored in our faith. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some ways that you are experiencing your life with Christ right now? And what are some ways that you stay anchored in your faith Um what what does that kind of look like for you? It's tricky, as I mentioned to you, you know, before we started, yeah. just in my role. And COVID certainly has made it trickier. Yes. But uh, though my wife and my sons try to attend the same church regularly, it's hard for me to because part of my job involves traveling around and visiting people. So I'm in different places. And it's great because I get to worship in lots of different styles and lots of different languages. 
but my anchor can't be that I'm familiar with all these people or with all this liturgy or with all this music. Mm. Uh, it's in Christ. And so there is a constant checking of what does God say to me, even in my private devotions. So, you know, my PhD was from a major Catholic university. I've been, as I said, I'm free Methodist through and through and for generations, but the Jesuits and Franciscans trained me well, I think. And it's early church stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so I love that sort of structure. So I, I pray the daily office every day. So I'll do some Lexio Divina and I'll read and I'll, you know, have... Ex- excellent practice, by the way. I agree. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, that <laughs> I think that's a practice that more Christians should bring into their yeah, I agree. Yeah. But I mean, like every night I'll sit down and part of what I'll do is a daily examine, which is not an uncommon practice for many people. And essentially all I do is reflect over the day. Yeah. So, okay, I was talking to Jordan. What did I do that I should have said differently? You know, <laughs> was I reflecting you, Christ, in all these ways? If so, well done. Do it again tomorrow. If not, what could I have done differently? What should I have done differently? If I even can realize, because sometimes you don't know. But it's that just kind of reflect and it's not to beat oneself up at all. But it's a conscious awareness of, am I walking closer to Christ? And am I being authentic? Mm. So one of my favorite phrases, uh, and again, I'm a big church nerd, so it's Latin, uh, but it's esse quam videri. And what that means is to be rather than to appear to be. Mm. And I think that's huge. As someone who comes from a holiness tradition, I love the definition of holiness that, that I kind of take out of Moses' experience with the burning bush where he sees it, he goes up, Here's the voice telling him to take off his sandals because he's on holy ground. And I think one of the best definitions of holiness is a life without pretense. Have no sandals, no shoes. You're just naked before me because God knows us. And so when you think about how we operate even in churches, we often feel like we have to wear a mask. I can't admit I'm struggling with this because they'll see I'm not the Christian I claim to be. In our denomination, in our tradition, uh, I mean, all traditions do, but but holiness Methodists have often talked about entire sanctification. And if I admit I'm still struggling, well, I'm not perfected yet. A lot of times I can't do that. And so I have a hard time confessing my sins to one another that I might be healed. And I think this recognition of who am I, let's start with that honestly. And it may be I'm someone who's addicted to pornography. It may be I'm someone who has a problem with gambling. It may be that I like to gossip. It may be that I cheat on my spouse. It may be, again, you can go down the litany of things. None of us is as we yet should be. And all those things don't define me either. These are just issues I have. So can I recognize first and foremost, I'm a child of God. I'm someone in whom Christ dwells. I live securely in the kingdom of God. And yeah, I'm still a sinner. Thanks be to God, I'm saved by grace. So how do I work towards letting myself be tumbled by the Spirit and rub off those rough edges? You know, how do I surround myself with other people mm-hmm. that I can trust who can say to me, oh, get off your high horse, you're so crazy. <laughs> you know, where are those places that I can honestly reflect mm-hmm. and subject myself to the guidance of others? Because as much as a lot of this is personal and internal work, Mm-hmm. I can also convince myself of a lot of crazy things, you know, oh, and I need to have other people who can say, no, I think you're being pretty narrow and selfish. No, I think you're justifying a lot of your own behaviors that you don't give other people the same pass for. Uh, and so where's that communal aspect of salvation as well? Mm. You know, I, I, I like to say that my faith is uh, intensely personal, but it's never private. And so how do mm. you 
gather around that community, like we talked about before, and the necessity of being in a community of faith. How do we do that where as the church we gather and we can sharpen one another like iron? So, so a lot of prayer, a lot of processing, a lot of reading, but that's, that's me. Yeah. And, uh, and I have a spiritual director, uh, I've had for years. Um, actually right now I go to a Christian counselor and so, uh, I call it preventative maintenance, but he's someone not in my tradition who doesn't know a lot of the people I talk about. So it's safe. Yeah. And I'm, I'm able to talk. Uh, because again, like anyone in any position, if you have authority, it's very difficult to talk to the people under you, you know, in an open way. And so you end up keeping things to yourself, which is unhealthy. And so who are the people that you can process with? They're kind of outside. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the people who, you know, I I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but on the Enneagram, I'm very familiar. (laughs) So I'm a three with a two wing. And my wife will say the two wing keeps me from being unsufferable because I genuinely do like people. But I like to be recognized for stuff. And so we joked that I needed to find, and I don't know if you need to edit this or not, but the, I don't give a crap person, you know, (laughs) I need that person in my life because I want to name drop. I probably have all through this, told you all these different things I've done and these people I know. I mean, I do it almost unconsciously because I somehow in my conscious think that I have to impress you for you to like me. And so I need that person who speaks in my life that doesn't care. It's not going to be impressed. They can just tell me flat out, no. So that's part of how I, you know, stay anchored is who are the people that can see through the mess? Yeah. I mean, my wife, my family, they do that one for me wonderfully in loving ways, yeah. sometimes sarcastic ways, but you know, they, they <laughs> truly know me and love me anyway. And so I think I also need those people who, you know, aren't trying to, uh, butter me up because I'm their boss and they've got to say the right thing. Right. But also aren't just being mean and don't care. You know, they genuinely care, but they're going to speak the truth in love. And so that's part of it for me also is finding those, those persons who will just, I can be honest with and not worry about what's going to happen. Right. You know, inevitably every time I ask believers this question, it usually comes to one of three things Mm -hmm. or all three. Um, it's prayer, mm-hmm. Bible reading, community. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Those are the three things. Those are the three things that people mention every time I ask them how they're staying anchored in their faith. Sure. And it's it's it sounds it sounds too good to be true and it sounds so like it sounds so simple. Um but it is diff- it can be very difficult. Absolutely. But it is absolutely rewarding. Absolutely rewarding. Yep. So I do have one more. This is a, this is kind of a, a sillier question, but um, <laughs> I, I, I'm curious. So when I was a kid, I grew up with this series on Disney Channel called Halloween Town. Okay. The, the main character's last names were Cromwell. All right. <laughs> so are you familiar at all with that series or? Not the series. Not the series. I, I know. I remember movies. a movie that Disney put out. Well, it's a series of years movies. ago. It's a bunch of movies. So, yeah. I have not seen them. Okay. <laughs> so I usually get asked more about Oliver, who was Lord Protector in the Civil War in England, uh, or about okay. Thomas, okay. who if people have read Wolf Hall or any of those things as the main character, because he worked under Henry VIII and was his right-hand man. And okay. so... But you've never gotten, oh, are you a witch? No. <laughs> no. I, 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 I expect I've been called things that sound similar, but oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> so... Hey, you know, snitches get stitches. That's <laughs> 
no, I mean, seriously. Um, no, I mean, it is funny. I remember seeing an episode of Law and Order. I loved Law and Order. Uh, I mean, I still do. And it was, there was one of the main protagonists was the chief, you know, lawyer in the biggest law firm in New York City, you know, Cromwell and Mason or something like that. Cause <laughs> it's a very, you know, British sort of uh aristocracy there's name, just so, so much power in the in the name it just feels like so would that people like, recognize that jordan would that people recognize that so <laughs> my <laughs> life would be easier if i could just tell them high over royalty <laughs> there is power there you go name. there you go well, there's power in jesus name though amen amen <laughs> all right well is there any way that we as a campus can be praying for you your ministry your wife and family what, what are some ways that we can be in prayer well i loved what you said about when you ask people what keeps them anchored prayer mm-hmm. you know bible reading and community and for all of us covid's been hard especially oh, yeah. when it comes to the community part mm-hmm. now I would have thought and I had hoped that, oh, I'm housebound. I'll exercise more and lose weight. Yeah, no, it went the other way. And so we have You're more time. you people that it- <laughs> No, I'm not alone. Yeah. But the same thing. Yeah. Oh, you know, when, when I need prayer retreats, I go off to monasteries. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. That's what I do. It's one of the things I do often. So here's the sense where I'm now in isolation. I'm forced to live a monastic life. You'd think I'd pray more. And sometimes it doesn't happen. But community was taken away. And so I really do think praying, how do we as persons still recognize we are the church? Mm -hmm. I don't go to church. Again, back to that bumper sticker. But when I can't go to church or when I'm not because of different restrictions or different concerns, Mm -hmm. how am I still the church though? How am I finding community? So praying, not just for me and not just for how I lead others, but how all of us, what's the community that I know is nurturing me? Um, Where am I growing? How am I growing? you know, for me personally, there's always just the being wise in how I use my time, mm-hmm. being faithful to spend time with my wife, my sons. Uh, you know, my parents are elderly and my in-laws are, you know, getting up there too. So there's always just health general concerns for how things are. But I think it's really how do we connect well and do we keep fulfilling these earthly obligations that we have chosen or that have been given to us? while doing so, recognizing that we have a heavenly home um, and we are incarnate in that even now. And, you know, that I can just be truthful to who I am and who God's called me to be and reflect that to others. Um, You know, can we be transparent? Or do I feel like I have to wear a mask? Because I don't want to be that person. So I don't know if that answers it or not. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can uh, keep working towards that end. And helping others do the same. We'll definitely be in prayer for for you, you and for each other, really. For, yeah, yeah. And hope you know, and pray that the Lord would give us grace as we continue to walk through whatever is you know next on the horizon. Indeed, through, indeed. Um, this and that. Well, thank you again so much. Oh, I've had a blast. Thank, thank you so you, much Jordan. for being here and um, taking time out of your day to. You're very welcome. This and for sharing. No, um, happy to. Yeah, happy to. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Faith Friday podcast. Stay safe, have a great weekend, and thank God for Jesus.